0: Hey everybody, welcome to Summit Church Online. This is your five minute countdown, five minutes before worship. So grab a pie bowl, grab a coffee, grab a notebook and a friend. Share this link with someone, will you, online, Pastor Wayne H on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Hey, I wanna remind you that we're in the middle of our Alpha Course on Thursday nights. So 6.30 here at the church, we have a meal, and then there's a talk and a discussion at seven o'clock. We'd love to have you be a part of the Alpha Course on Thursdays, and uh, so as I said, This is your five-minute countdown before worship gets started. Come join us here in five minutes. Share this link with a friend. Good morning, Summit Church. Good morning, Church Online. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone who might be watching online, aka possibly my wife in New York. I'm not sure who might be watching. Maria on her catering job. Anyway, glad you're here. Welcome, everybody. You're doing well today? I feel joy in the place, which is great. We're a little lopsided, though, in this... The boat's gonna tip over. The boat is tipping over. We said, "Well, someone please sit on this side." <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay, oh, thanks. That helps me. That helps me. I just felt like the ship was about to tip over here. We gotta balance the aircraft, everybody. <laughs> for ballast. Tim, get over there for ballast. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> this one might be a new one to some of you. I love it. It's called "It's All Because of Jesus, I'm Alive." You know, without Jesus, we wouldn't even be here. He's the one who gives us breath and life and the joy of the Lord, right? So why don't you stand with me as we sing this one together. One, two. Comfort those, Lord, who are lonely, those who may be watching or listening today, Father, those who couldn't make it to church today. I pray that you would just meet them where they are, whether they're riding in their car or sitting in their bed or whatever they might be doing, Lord. I pray that your spirit would just span the miles and touch each one as they spend time with us and with you and your word today. We welcome You, Holy Spirit. Come be with us today. Jesus. you've adopted us and brought us into your family, that the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, stretched His arms down and through the person of Jesus, made a way for us to have friendship with God. We're so grateful for that, Lord. You give us life, and you give us new hope, you bring light into the dark world that we live in. Let's keep singing about it.
1: You give life, you are love
2: morning, Summit Church. Good morning, Tim. Man, there's a ton of people here. All right. Uh, it's kind of nice to have a breath in our lungs, eh? That's right. Yeah? Uh, anyway, I have a question. Uh, how many human beings do we have here today? Show of hands. One, two. Okay, all right. Anyway, well, if you're a human being, this... Uh, passage right here has an awful lot to say to you it is from ephesians 4 and i'm going to start at verse 24 and it says put on your new nature created to be like god truly righteous and holy so stop telling lies let us tell your neighbors tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Highlighted verse, don't use foul or abusive language Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior instead be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as god through christ has forgiven you self-explanatory this is the word of our lord
1: thanks be to god thanks Tim. you are here moving I miss, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you.
0: next to you with your hand up, would you just put your hand on the shoulder of the person that got has their hand up? You got your hand up watching or listening online today. I want to pray just special healing over each of us that need a touch from God. You know, God is not far away. He's as close as your next breath. Just, just say the name Jesus. He's going to be right there. And we can lose faith. We can lose Belief that God is really there, that He really cares. But He does care. He is there. My friends, listen, He loves you so very much. Just receive that love. Let that love of Christ wash over you today. Even if you just have a mustard seed, a tiny bit of faith for it today, just snatch that healing for yourself. God, that's me, I need it. need your healing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I minister healing not because of anything special about me, but because there's something pretty special about Jesus and his blood. The beating that should have been ours, you took upon yourself, and it's by your stripes we are healed. So in the name of Jesus, for every person who raised their hand here in the room or for those who are giving me a like or a comment there on various social platforms who are watching or worshiping you just be a healer Jehovah Rapha today the Lord our healer would you just show yourself strong when we're feeling weak when we're confused I pray you bring clarity when we don't know what to do I pray you guide us Lord if we have a financial struggle or something that we just the bills are stacking up or no we don't know how we're gonna make it all work Father I thank you that you're a provider you're Jehovah Jireh Our provider, that there is no lack in you. You're not broke, Lord. You can do amazing, super abundantly, above all we could ask or think. So bless my friends, heal them, help them, strengthen them, give them the touch that they're asking for.
1: Even when I don't see Never stop You never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it you're working, even when I can't feel it you're working, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. Never stop never stop and never stop working never stop you never stop working you never stop
0: Take the time to greet each other, and will you? Uh, if you want to partner with the ministry, you can text to give at 303-625-9434, or click on the donate button at mysummitchurch.com, or on our Facebook page, or you can mail your gift to Summit Church, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado 80104. Glad you're along for the ride today, and we got a great message here today called Bestovers. So turn in your Bible to me, to the book of Titus, and we're going to get into it. Thanks, guys. God bless you. That?
1: Yes, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right.
0: All right, everybody. I love to hear a fellowshipping church. It's incredible. It's incredible. Well, I've had a fun couple days. We had a we had a really like a niece in the Lord come over from Grand Junction. Her name was. Uh, is Lindsey Roseberry, and I've been knowing the Roseberry family uh, in Colorado since 1995. They're know, pastors from uh, Cortez, Colorado. Tim was a, a camp director for the Baptists in Texas, and um, Lindsey was like she's like a niece, and so she spent a couple days here with us. We might see her this afternoon. I'm not sure, but. Uh, we went out to Papado, Papa the Cajun seafood place. Any seafood lovers in the place? Oh my goodness, this place is good. The trouble is not to eat everything they give you because the plates are just gigantic. But uh, can anybody tell me what this is? Chinese takeout, Chinese takeout box, right? right? Uh, or a leftover box. How many of you know you can never eat a whole plate of Chinese food either? Like you, It's like there's too much, so you always go home with leftovers, right? With a doggy box or a doggy bag or a takeout box. And um, we have a little trick that we like to play at our house because Max hates leftovers. Don't you, Max? Do you hate leftovers? Yes? So he's smiling because he knows it's true. He's like, I hate leftovers. Can we just make it fresh? Get something fresh? We already ate this. It drives him crazy. And he's like, no, these aren't leftovers. These are are best-overs. These are best-overs. And that's a little thing that we have. And I was thinking about, as I was preparing this talk, we've been going through the New Testament. We finally got to finish with Second Timothy today. And we get to these tiny little, you know, letters from Paul. Titus only has three chapters, and Philemon only has one chapter, so we're only going to cover four chapters today, but we're going to pick it up later, we're going to pick up a few extra chapters when we get into the book of Revelation, so it's all kind of, it's evened out a little bit as we go through it, but uh, to make some of these uh, studies make sense, I've got to compress in some places and stretch in others uh, to make the studies work, but this book of Titus, let me tell you a little bit about this book, um... Paul gives practical advice to Titus, and Titus was on the Isle of Crete. In fact, Crete is still in the Mediterranean today. It's part of the nation of Greece. It's about 60 miles long, and about 25 miles wide, north to south. And if you look on a Mediterranean map, you see at the boot of Italy, and then right next to the boot of Italy is Greece. And just below Greece, in the Mediterranean, is this little sliver of an island, and that is Crete. And this is where the Paul, this is where Paul is writing his letter to Titus, and it just reaffirms reaffirms a lot of what we've been studying in these other books of the Bible to the other churches in the Mediterranean. And so the apostle Paul wrote this probably around A.D. 63, and he wrote it shortly after he wrote First Timothy. A breakdown of the book is this: he talks about choosing church leaders, he talks about relating to various groups in the church, you know, different ages and stages of people. He talks about living as a Christian. What is the lifestyle of a believer? And then the key concepts of, the, of this short book are uh, truth, teaching, elders, and grace. And you can read Titus in about five minutes. You can, get, you can get through it real fast. So I'm gonna be teaching longer than it'd take you to actually read the entire book. But here's some verses worth memorizing Titus. It's, uh, chapter two, verse 11 through 14 says, the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are in, instructed, Uh, to turn from our godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. It'd be a long, long little bit to memorize, but if you're looking to memorize stuff about holiness and living a righteous life, a lot of people think, "Oh, you know, it's I, you know, I, once I have Jesus, I I got the get out of jail, you know, free card, and I, I'm going to heaven." Wait, don't you think? Jesus has a better life for you than you'd go back to the mud puddle again. Like maybe now that you're cleaned up, you want to stay cleaned up. Maybe right actions is part of what a maturing Christian does, right? You want to start looking like Jesus. You want to start conforming to his image and following in his footsteps and picking up your cross every day and following him, right? This is a great verse for that, of living righteously. Not because the righteous deeds save you, but because it helps you become a better reflection of the personality of Jesus. Chapter three, verse four through seven says, when God, our savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Again, Paul writes from a masculine perspective. But he talks about living a self-controlled life. Paul gives specific instructions for the older men in chapter two, verse two, and to the younger men, chapter two, verse six through eight. And then the bottom line for both groups is self-control. How many know men? We men, especially, we need a little, a little bit of self-control, right? I know I need a little impulse control. I. The first thing that I want to say is probably not the thing I should say right? Need to pause, think about it, maybe count to ten, or don't say it at all.
1: Hey, I don't, I don't even have
0: to say it. I don't even have to say it. Just just let it go. Just let it go by. Right? And uh, so that, that's the bottom line for that for men in, in this letter is self-control. He says that we're to lead by example from a foundation of spiritual integrity. So best-overs from Titus and Philemon. The good stuff. How many know that some leftovers or some bestovers are better actually the second day? How many of you ever enjoyed cold pizza in college? Like hot pizza is great, but how many cold pizza for breakfast the next day is even better, right? Chase it down with some black coffee, and man, you've got a breakfast, right? Well, I'm I am a mess with my music sheets over here, as we'll, we'll we'll figure that out. Um. Turkey sandwich. We were talking about it at Alpha the other night. A turkey sandwich the day after Thanksgiving from the turkey that you just cooked the night before on some rye bread, real thin with a crispy look, and then with a little lettuce leaf and a bunch of mayo. Oh, yes. Way better. Way better than the original turkey is the second day turkey on the turkey sandwich. Come on, somebody. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Best overs. You know, chili is better after it's been in the pot for two or three days, just cooking in its own juices, right? And the, 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 the meat is breaking down and the acid of the uh, the tomatoes, and oh, <laughs> we're getting hungry now, right? Somehow, the longer it cooks, the better it tastes. That's why crock pots are so successful. So this time of year, how many of you break out the crock pot during football season, right? It's suddenly because the crock pot season leads to the holidays eventually, right? best overs. The longer we cook and the longer we stew in this goodness of God and the grace of Jesus and the love of God and patience and kindness and goodness ooh, we just start to we start to look like Jesus. We start to take on the God flavors a little bit. We, it starts to rub off. We start to have a patience we never had before. We start to have a kindness that we normally wouldn't have. Our first response isn't what it used to be anymore. And We're patient. We don't fly off the handle anymore. When We have a tendency to lean into addictions or alcoholism or any other issue. And when we start putting that stuff away, the, the flesh can't grab at us so easily anymore because we've, we've put more distance and we've been sober longer. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? When we start walking in the truth, everything starts to lighten. And we start going, well, why wasn't I doing this before? Of course. Of course that's what I should be doing. But you don't realize that, you know, That it tastes so good until it's been in the crock pot for two days. And you're like, this is amazing. Best overs. So best over number one from from Titus. Here we go. Best over number one. Evangelism and discipleship. Now, it almost seems like these are two different things. And they are. Evangelism is reaching lost people with the gospel of Jesus, right? We Christians are called to take the good news to everyone, everywhere. that They know about Jesus. And then we're called to make disciples, What I love about the Alpha Course, it kind of combines evangelism with discipleship. We are learning about Christianity, we're learning about the Bible, we're learning about Jesus at the same time as we're reaching out to people who may be hungry to hear something about God and learn more about the foundations of what the faith is and what the purpose for their life could be. And here's what Paul says in Titus about this. This This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim the faith to those that God has chosen to teach them to know, to know the truth that shows them how to, to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now just at the right time, he revealed this message, which we announced to everyone. It is by the command of God our Savior that I have been entrusted with this work for him. I am writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you grace and peace. So Titus is working in Crete, in this beautiful Mediterranean place. It's like palm trees and sandy rock shores and white sand beaches, unbelievable food, wonderful people. Gentiles that really needed Jesus. What a great mission field to be on for Titus. says, I left you on the island of Crete so that you would complete the work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. An elder must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife and his children, must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. An elder is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. He must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout, disciplined life. And he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message that was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. So you're talking about church leadership. You want to be an elder. You want to be someone who is in a position of teaching or some kind of position of authority in the local church. You need to live a life worthy of your calling. That's where a lot of people are like, oh, well,
1: it's, you know, it's whatever.
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's not just whatever. <laughs> there are standards in the Bible. The Bible lays it out pretty clearly of what uh, an elder or a, a teacher or a pastor should do and should, how they should behave. And if they don't, then they should take some time away and, and renew their faith and their discipleship and be restored and have their character restored and be in a place where they can minister according to their calling. And um, boy, I, I tell you, this, that's so important. Verse 15, he says, Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving, because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way, li- by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. See, sin has such a corrupting influence it just once once you go down that road, it's almost impossible to go backwards. Right? It's it, it's like going downstream. You have to fight so hard to go back upstream, and you give sin full vent to its fury in your life, and you're going to reap difficulty. And you know? and and what I think what Isaiah said was, if you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Tough consequences come when we just. We, we throw caution in the wind and do whatever our flesh wants to do rather than submit our spirit to the Holy Spirit and to live in Christ and let Christ live his life through us. Now, nobody does this perfectly, including the one talking to you, okay? I am not perfect. None of you are. But the truth, right? <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm leaving. I'm leaving this church. <laughs> yeah. Go find a perfect one, right? Yeah, you won't find it. There's no perfect people, there's no perfect church, but we, are, there is a perfect Savior. And we're called to worship Him, to live in Him, to open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to His Holy Spirit, that He would live inside of us and live His life through us. Amen. And that's not up to me anymore. It's up to Him. <laughs> and it's up to my submitting to go, okay, Lord, I don't want to do the right thing, but I'm gonna, because I want to please you. I want to live for you. I want you to to be proud of me as my heavenly father. That's so powerful. So evangelism and discipleship go hand in hand, because if a leader in the church or someone who claims to be some kind of Christian doesn't really act like a Christian, it discounts their witness with those that they would share the gospel with. They go, why should I listen to you? You're no different from me. And so holiness is a part of a mark of what a Christian believer should look like. And yet we we seem to have lost that in much of the American church today, that we've lowered the standard so far that there's no difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. There's no difference. The divorce rate's the same. Drug and alcohol addiction rate's just about the same. (laughs) <laughs> the the abuse and uh, crimes and all—it's really not much difference between Christians in the world. Now, I think you—if you, you could uh, study a little bit more, maybe those who are Bible-believing Christians, or those who who go to, to church on a regular basis, week to week, then you could maybe see statistical differences. But people who claim to be Christians—you know—just claiming to be a Christian doesn't make you one. <laughs> Any more than saying that, that you're a hamburger makes you a Big Mac when you're sitting in McDonald's, right? You might be in the environment, but it doesn't make you a hamburger, right? And I'm thinking about food a lot here this morning.
1: Ah.
0: <laughs> Chapter two, best over number two. I'm calling this one a little something for everyone or some truth for everyone. Now, if I found this in my fridge late at night, it would be gone by morning. Any, any late night snackers, anybody hit the fridge when you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, like, oh, maybe I just need a little something, this would be gone by morning, right? I would not share this with Max, because he wouldn't eat anyway. It's a leftover, right? So we need to snatch up this truth and hold on to it for ourselves. And this passage talks about, a, there's a little something for everybody in this passage, in this church. He he talks to Titus, he talks about promoting right teaching. He says, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. They will not bring shame on the word of God. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose you will be ashamed that they have nothing bad to say about us. Slaves must obey their masters and do their best to please them. I'll give you some cultural context here in a second. They must not talk back or steal, but they must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. For the grace of God has been revealed bringing salvation to all people. It says, hey, this is for older men, this is for younger men, this is for older women, this is for younger women, this is for moms and dads and kids and bosses and employees. All right? When it says slaves here, you have to uh, understand that most of the, the ancient world was set up in, a, in sort of a caste system. There were haves and haves-nots. They were, the welfare system in many ways was a slave system. People were enslaved. It wasn't the kind of lifetime slavery oftentimes. People would would indenture themselves for six or seven years to work in order to pay off a debt or to move their family or for expenses, whatever the the negotiated terms might be. And of course, there was some lifetime slavery as well. But it was a different time. And it wasn't just people of color. It was people of the same color were enslaving other people. Um, People would indenture themselves. And so in many ways... Christianity was seen by the pagan Romans as a great (laughs) religion of slaves. Because when slaves became Christians, they became better workers. (laughs) They were like, wow, they're working because they love God. And they're doing it as if they're doing it for, for God. And so that, again, made Christianity very attractional, even to the pagan business people of the time. Like, wow, these guys, they receive Christ and they become better people. How can we be against this? This is really, really good. And so that ought to be true for us too in the work that we do. We don't do the work that we do just to make people happy. Like if I was, a, if I was trying to, to lead a church in such a way that it would just be, make everyone happy, then we could fill this church with consumers and we'd sing all the songs that you request and I'd just teach on the topics that you are comfortable with. Come on, somebody. There are plenty of pastors leading churches just like that. We play the hits, right? <laughs> Tell lots of good jokes, right? But aren't you looking for deeper than that, more than that? I know I am. I want I want to connect with the living God. I want his word to pre- be preeminent in the church I go to. I want the Bible to be speaking to me and that my life comes into alignment with him, not try to carve God into my own image into what I need him to be for, for what I think I want because you know he even knows what I need better than I do he even knows what I want better than I do he gives me wonderful things and I go wow I didn't even know I wanted that that's amazing God You gave me so many gifts and I didn't even know I wanted it wow so you have to trust God and there's a little something for everybody that's best over number two best over number three is goodness from grace. Goodness from grace. Paul says to Titus to do what is good. This is a very pagan culture, a very hedonistic culture. Greece, even to this day, is kind of a party culture. You go to Greece, whew, party cruise, the booze cruise, you got to, all the stuff is happening in culture. It's all out there. It's Partyville. It's Party Central. Say, do what you feel. Have some fun. Tear one off, man. Do have a good time, right? And Greece was like that in the, in the old times too. And it was very tempting for Christians after they received Christ to get pulled back into their old lifestyle. Here's what he says to Titus. He says, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone. They must avoid quarrelling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Skipping down to verse four, it says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous. I'll say it again, because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on teaching these things to all who will trust in God, will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees, or in quarrels and fights, or about uh, obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. Paul basically says here the bottom line in my study Bible it says this. Paul's bottom line was to show that Christianity is not just some ethereal philosophy of the mind; it is a practical, personal faith that requires a difference in how our lives, how how we live our lives. It's regardless of the age that you are. Christianity should make a difference in how you live your life, how you talk, how you think, how you interact with people, how you, how you eat and drink. Like, it, it ought to affect every aspect of your life. And if it doesn't, it shows that maybe that you haven't fully submitted yet to Christ in Lordship. There's still parts of your flesh. You're like God, everything with that God, everything
1: with that, anything but that,
0: <laughs> right? You ever been there? Like God will give you this, I'll give you this. I just can't give you this, right? Or like that old meatloaf song.
1: I would do anything for love, but I won't do that,
0: right? No, 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 no. Music lovers, anybody? <laughs> we got a lot of Christian meatloafs out there.
1: Jesus, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. I've no tithe, or I won't come
0: every Sunday, or I, I'm not gonna stop cussing, or, or whatever your favorite sin is. <laughs> Christian meatloaf, man. Maybe that's another best over that's in there. I don't know. Max, I love meatloaf, so we'll we'll save some of that best over for later. So that's Titus, everybody, and then we get to Philemon. Last week we mentioned this slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus was visiting Paul in jail. He mentioned him in in Timothy. And this book of Philemon is only one chapter long. It's my final point here today. But let me just give you the overview. Paul wrote that book in probably AD 60. And Philemon is another of Paul's letters from prison written about the same time as Colossians and might even have been put together with the letter to the Colossians. It could have been like an addendum, like another scroll in the letter they put with the letter because it was sent to Colossus. That's where Philemon lived. And Colossus is in modern day Turkey, but it was part of the Grecian empire back then. Um, the breakdown of, the, of the, the, this chapter book, uh, Paul gives thanks to for, to for Philemon. He begs Philemon to take Onesimus back. Onesimus basically was a runaway slave and he had found Paul. He was a Christian. He had found Paul in prison. He's like, I'm gonna help Paul. And so this whole letter is sort of a be nice letter. It's an apology letter. It's sending Onesimus back to Philemon saying, hey, <laughs> he did the wrong thing. He ran away without permission. I know you could kill him for this. Back in those days, a runaway servant could be killed for running away. And so Paul asks for a favor. And he makes this request to Philemon, and he talks about treat Onesimus like a brother, no longer as a slave, because he's a believer, just like you and I. He's a brother in the Lord. So the scorecard here of this small book is Paul's the letter is the writer of the letter. Philemon is a a leader in the Colossian church, and a slave owner. And Onesimus is a slave who had run away from Philemon. Again, you can read this one in less than five minutes. The book shows an important. Man taking time for uh, a nobody, a young man who has seriously gotten into a jam, yet he has changed his ways and he's become valuable to the apostle and sensitive, uh, sensitive enough to go to bat for him. So Paul was willing to uh, write this letter as a favor. And um, here's, here's best over number four. Mercy multiplied. Mercy multiplied. When you receive mercy... It ought to make you grateful for the mercy you get so that you want to show mercy. (laughs) Jesus tells a parable about the unforgiving servant where this boss, he goes, he owes his boss more than a lifetime worth of wages. He owes him hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the boss goes, there's no way I can ever pay it back. Please forgive me. And he goes, okay, fine, I'll forgive you. And then he goes around the corner and one of his fellow servants owes him 20 bucks. He says, give me the money. I'll take you. To, I'm going to tell. I'm taking you to the cops. I'm going to take you to to the authorities. Well, the boss hears about that. He goes, "I forgave you that giant debt, and you can't forgive your fellow servant twenty bucks? Are you kidding me?" Now, 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 you're really going to suffer, because blessed are those who are who have are merciful. They'll be they'll be shown mercy, and mercy multiplied is what Paul's talking to Philemon about. He says, "I'm writing to Philemon." our beloved co-worker and to our, to our sister, Aphia, and to our fellow soldier, Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. So Philemon had a large home, large enough to, to host a church in. And he says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And he says, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience the good things that we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. And Paul makes this appeal for Anissimus. He says, that is why I'm boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much of use to you in the past, but now he's been very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains and preaching the good news. He would have helped me on your behalf but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted to help uh, because you were, I want you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more like, he's more than a slave. He is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he'll mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him, as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. <laughs> in other words, you wouldn't even be a Christian if it wasn't for me. So don't get too high and mighty on me here, Philemon. I'm sending him back to you. Be nice. Be nice. That's, that's good for us Christians to sometimes remind each other, hey, 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 take it easy. Be nice, be nice. So yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. And one more thing, please pray for. Please prepare a guest room for me for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. So Philemon probably had a big sprawling A big, big place for a church. Lots of guest rooms. And he enjoyed having people in his home. And we know from church history a little bit about this Philemon. There's um, the Orthodox Church has... Yes, here's what Philemon, according to an artist's rendering, looked like. And according to church history, he passed in AD 68 and he went from being... Uh, from a slave to a brother and eventually became the bishop of Colossae. So he had church leadership. So Philemon did not kill him. (laughs) Maybe maybe he was punished. Maybe he had to do, I don't know, take out the garbage every single day from that day on. I'm not sure what he had to do. But um, mercy multiplied. Mercy was multiplied. And... We have to receive whatever favor God is giving us. And when mercy has been shown to us, we need to show mercy. It reminds me of uh, this old hymn. And I almost had the band work it up today. But I thought I'd just pull it up. And I'm sure my mother will remember this song. It it goes, Years I spent in vanity and pride, Caring not my Lord was crucified. Crucified. Knowing not it was for me, he died at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free.
1: Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary.
0: You guys ever heard that song before? It's an old Pentecostal. Yeah, you you already heard that. Yeah. Mercy. Multiplied. At Calvary. Because he's shown us mercy. He calls us. To be merciful. But I don't want to be. Remember. (laughs) Where you came from. Remember how far you've fallen. And who picked you up when you fell. Mercy multiplied. Well. I love to share the gospel every Sunday. You know, I, I, uh, I'm a Lyft driver when I'm not doing this. I do rideshare driving. I've thought about working the Bronco game early, later on today because there'll be plenty of rideshares going out of my eye today. You know, and I see lots of road signs. And I've got to be careful when I'm in a neighborhood or a part of the city that I'm not familiar with. I've got to keep a good eye at because you could take the wrong exit if you're in the wrong lane sometimes. And I oftentimes think of life as being like on a road or on a highway. You know, we can end up going the wrong way, doing the wrong thing. Well, what do you do if you're going the wrong way? You got to make a U-turn, right? God allows U-turns. He allows us to go, hey, (laughs) you were going this way. Repentance is saying, I'm going the wrong way. Lord, help me. I want to go your way. And to turn around, even as believers, sometimes we go down the wrong road, and we need that check when the Holy Spirit says, "Hey, no, 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 go, go over here." Ding, ding, ding. Okay, yes, Lord, <laughs> to submit to what He's saying. Reminds me of something our sister Lalith from Jamaica always says: "It's
1: only a test. Life is only a test. The good news is the teacher says it's an open-book test." It's an open book test.
0: You get to look at the answers.
1: All you have to do is open the book.
0: Thank God the teacher makes it an open book test. The Bible is so clear. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's amazing. (laughs) It's just trusting in Christ. Stop trying to do it on your own. Maybe you're ready to give your life to Jesus or it's been a long time and I know I've got some new watchers and listeners on some of my platforms and maybe you think, man, I tuned in on just the right one today. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to make a U-turn. It's time to turn around. I'm ready to do it. Church, would you pray the prayer of commitment to Christ for those who might be praying it with us? Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead according to the scriptures. Please come into my life. Help me to turn around and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, glad you joined us here today. You can partner with us in the ministry. You can hit the offering box in the back or donate online. We're going to finish and do the, um, we're going to do the benediction as a song today. We're going to sing the blessing to you. And uh, that's how we'll finish today.
3: today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hanson you can support our ministry in many ways click the donate button on our Facebook page Summit Church of Castle Rock visit our webpage mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock 200 South Wilcox Street Box 243 Castle Rock Colorado 80104 Or, finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Reima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life.